Hi, it's Gabby Reese, and this podcast is powered by Laird Superfood. It was created in our kitchen by my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, and it all started with a simple idea. What began as Laird's secret for long-lasting energy on the waves is now Laird Superfood, offering a full range of delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and more. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 and save 20% on your first order. Are you ready to move your career forward? Make your comeback with Purdue Global and get college credit for your work, school, life, or military experiences. With these credits, you may have already completed up to 75% of your undergraduate degree. You've worked hard to get where you are. It's time to get the recognition you deserve and earn a degree you'll be proud of, one that employers will trust and respect. When you take the next step in your life and career, make it count with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback at purdueglobal.edu. This is a transformative time for Black America. Our income is at an all-time high, and the opportunity for economic empowerment is unprecedented. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. Build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints. Ready to celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's and iHeart present Women Take the Mic, sharing empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&M's and spread some positivity. From breaking glass ceilings to dominating in sports and entertainment, women truly are unstoppable. Hemi My Purse is a production of iHeart Podcasts. So I was searching on the internet, and to be very clear, it was Miriam McCabe's internet. And I stumbled upon something, and it is a poem, and I'm going to read it to you. It is called The Way Forward. And it says, it is only heavy because you are deciding over and over again to carry it. Embrace change. Loosen up your sense of identity. Let yourself walk a new path. You do not have to ignore or erase the past. You just have to wholeheartedly embrace the present and move on. That is a message and a word for somebody who is listening to this today and whoever you are. I say listen, soak it in, and do what you need to do. can't see the thing around it. Okay. What's up, y'all? Welcome to Hand Me My Purse, the podcast. I am Mimi Walker, and I will be your forever host each and every single time that you tune into this podcast. So go ahead and get comfortable. Get yourself a glass of your favorite beverage, whether that is some sweet Southern sun tea. Say that four times. Water. Just water, just plain old water, however you like it. If you like it room temperature, if you like it ice cold, if you like it a little bit hot, if you like it with lemon, if you like it with salt. 
just water, however you like it, or a shot of Reposado tequila chilled with a lime rubbed around the rim of the glass just for a little balance on your palate. Whatever it is you like, get that. Go light yourself a candle, some incense, or burn some sage and just get ready to chill out and have a good time. What's up, friends and kin? It's me, Mimi, resident Auntie Supreme, here at Hand Me My Purse. And today, I am sipping on a Coke Zero. And I just opened it. Hear that? Drinking a Coke Zero. That should be an ad, right? For Coke Zero. And why am I drinking it? Because I want to. Because I choose to, okay? It's Coke Zero. I like the way Coke Zero makes me belch. Um, I have acid reflux. And sometimes they say you shouldn't drink carbonated beverages when you have acid reflux. But it does me good because I get to belch. So that's why I drink it. And you know what? I don't drink soda a lot. I do drink seltzer a lot. I drink water a lot more than I drink anything else. I really just drink seltzer and uh Water. Oh, and Celsius and protein shakes. Okay, so maybe I don't just drink water and seltzer. Don't judge me though, but today I'm sipping on an ice cold, fresh out of the freezer Coke Zero with uh, some of those ice chips in it. You know, it's good for my soul. Anyway, that's what I'm sipping on. What y'all drinking on today? What y'all got on tap? What y'all got going on over here? What in the world is that? So, friends and kin, for today's jam, I chose a song. I feel some belching coming on. I apologize on the front end for this. This is what I get for drinking a Coke Zero while I'm recording this podcast. Pardon. So, for the jam, I chose a song that is probably one of my favorite songs by... Oh, excuse me. That wasn't a belch. I don't really know what that was, but it was a sound. What in the world is that? Don't worry about it. Anyway, so uh, by one of my favorite rappers, and that is uh, Yasin Bey, formerly known as Most Deaf. And this song is called Climb. I'm going to get right into it because I want you to really hear it. And I really, really pray that you go and listen to the song outside of just the clip or the snippet that's played in the episode. I want to read some of the lyrics to you. And it starts off, people climbed into the night like spacesuits. People stepped into the night like moon boots, marching like moon troops in their soot-colored zoot suits. People climbed into the night like cool wells, shiny bottles in their hands, drinking their new selves. They say it's their true selves. People climbed up in the night like green trees. They were hanging from the night like green leaves, buzzing like queen bees. People climbed into the night like spacesuits. People stomped inside the night, stomping and stomping and stomping and stomping and stomping. Where are they going? What's the rush? 
everybody's embraced but so out of touch. Now go ahead and listen to the snippet. The snippet is here for you. And it's going to set you up. And then after you listen to the snippet, pause the show. Then go listen to the song. Those are your instructions. Okay? People climbed into We're going to get right into this show because it's a very interesting show today. I interviewed a really cool guy and I want you just to get into it. So I ain't going to take up a lot of time, but make sure you pause right after this. Go listen to the song and then come back. Let's see if you can follow simple instructions or if you are a sixth grader and you can't. (laughs) Either way, just come back and listen to the episode. But please make sure you listen to the song. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infinity QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Prudential knows that no community is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com blueprints. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&Ms, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness. 
kick back and spread some positivity into the world. From smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports, on stages, and at the box office, women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to Women Take the Mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs, and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com All right, friends and kin, today we are here uh, in conversation with Mr. Jonathan McCrory. And Jonathan, before I don't want to introduce you, I want you to introduce yourself. I call my listeners friends and kin. Love it. Because if you're not my friend, then we related. I'm here for it. Right. So go ahead and introduce yourself and tell them who you are. Hey, friends and and kinfolk. Um, I am. Uh, my name is Jonathan McCory. I hail from um, Washington D.C. I'm a Washingtonian, um, uh, born and bred and raised. Uh, uh, I, I come from um, really a space of what does uh, of black folks who were resilient in spite of uh, black folks who found found their way um, to to really create a generous space for us to celebrate culture. I love to say I lived in D.C. when it was black, um, when it was Chocolate City. Um, And that kind of melting pot um, actually generated a really affluent um, impact on me of me loving my culture, loving my people and also wanting to always be a space of benefit for the, for, for the both of them. Um, uh, went to Duke Allen School of the Arts, uh, where that's where actually the arts actually became a part of my, a central part of my life. Um, at Duke Ellington, I studied musical theater. Um, and Duke Ellington is one of the oldest black arts high schools in the country. It was founded by Peggy Cooper Kayfords and Mike Malone. Um, big shout out to them, amongst of other, uh, other founding, founding members, founding circle. But those are the two uh, leading voices that helped to shape that space. Um, uh, helped to launch a musical. Uh, I was one of their, like, we like to say lab rats. We, we started their musical theater department. We were the first and last to graduate come in and graduate because they weren't able to sustain it past um, past our class. Um, then I went to NYU. Um, from NYU, uh, I studied musical theater yet again, um, but also transitioned into theater, started two theater companies uh, with a group of friends, the Movement Theater Company, and then I started Harlem Nine a couple of years later. The Movement is still running right now. Harlem Nine is still running right now. Awesome. Um, uh, I directed a show called uh, Black in the Bubble, uh, a, a beautiful angelic uh, human that's in uh, my life, uh, Michelle Shea. Uh, she um, she's one of the first uh, Black artists to appear in a soap opera, but also known as a with a Wilsonian artist, which means uh, she is well versed in August Wilson's texts. Okay. Um, uh, she saw my show that I directed, uh, and she said, "Do you know the National Black Theater? And do you know Shade Lithcott?" 
Shadi Lithcott is the daughter of Dr. Barbara Antier. Um, and um, I said, I know of MBT, but I never had a meeting with or got to know who, uh, who Sade is. And so then um, she actually helped to make this introduction between me and Sade uh, almost maybe 14 years ago. And we haven't left each other's side since those 14 years. Um, I came on first as uh, really a production manager, helping to help to produce and shore up and create infrastructure for the organization. And then um, soon, very shortly, uh, jumped from production manager to artistic, uh, being, being the lead artistic vo- uh, curator for the organization, ultimately turning into becoming the artistic director. Uh, first, the director of theater arts programming, then the artistic director, and now the executive artistic director of the National Black Theater, um, where I've been for 13 years. I'm really helping to shape and build with Sade. Um, and who am I outside of that, outside of the labor? Um, I am a person who, um, I love plants. I have lots of plants. I have like 72 plants that I take wow. for and take care of. Um, I am a lover of creativity, of art, of making. I make, uh, I like to call myself a creative doula, um, which means that I love to think of the idea of the idea of the work that I do is to manifest the, uh, the unrealized idea inside of people, myself's uh, world and psyche and making it manifest as turn into something real. So what does that mean? How do you steward that? I love biking. Um, uh, I love, I love making puzzles and, qui- and, and, and quizzes, uh, like, uh, puzzles and also like Legos. You mm-hmm. were in my house, you'll see a bunch of Legos in various different places. Cause it's a, the meditative act of actually building, constructing, um, is actually really, really, um, important for me. Um, what, how, who, who else am I outside of this space? I am a, I am a, I'm an uncle. I am a nephew. I am a son. I am a brother. Um, these are all attributes in which I, uh, I come in into my work. I also come into this work uh, really identifying as a he, him with a spirit that is a she. Um, okay. So a multi, a multifaceted nature of who, of how I show up. So there are multiple different connections of how, of, of how, of how I come to this space right now, uh, doing this kind of work, um, the trajectory of how I came from Washington, DC, all the way to New York and uh, finding this place to be my home. Um, and also uh, how I find myself to be in this current nexus of being a cultural leader uh, for my community and also hopefully for future generations to dream differently. Um, and I hope that difference is bigger. I hope that difference is more abundant. I hope that difference is uh, more profound uh, so the world can actually be shaped uh, in a more liberated space. That is awesome. That's probably one of the best introductions that I've had on this show. And I'm coming up on four years of, of doing that. That that laid it all out, man. Whoa. That was invigorating. I don't even know where to start. You just did half of my interview. Hey, Seuss Christo. Okay. Well, the one thing I want to say is shout out to DC. I live in Baltimore. Come on, I live go, in Baltimore. Sauce, the whole night. Oh, you're from Baltimore? Yes, I'm here as I live and breathe right now. Oh, come on now, crab cakes. I need yes. those. Yes, that's <laughs> right. Are, are you in New York now? I am in New York. Okay, I'm so in you Harlem. live in New York. Yeah, okay. yeah, I live I live 24-7 in, in Harlem, New York. I find okay. my way in D.C. Like, I was in D.C. for two days for Christmas, but mm-hmm. and I'll be in D.C. for our upcoming an upcoming major show that we will talk about uh, called The Gathering, a Sonic Grink Shout. Um, okay. but I find, and I also find myself p- primarily in New York. Okay. Um, yes, I am from Baltimore, uh, born. I lived for a while uh, during very... Um, 
important years in Compton, California. So, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm a bi coastal hood chick, I guess you could say. You found no, you you say you said, I want to know where black people reside. Yes, and I, I want to know what I it's wanna, like. I want to know it's like on the east and the west. Um, I've I spent time in New York as well. Um, and when you mentioned Duke Ellington, a few of my friends went to Duke Ellington. Mm. Yeah, and it, a lot of major, major, major talent comes out of Duke Ellington. So that is like um, that is like uh, the heartbeat to me of uh, D.C. And it's so funny when you said um, I lived in D.C. when D.C. was black. I remember when D.C. was black. Come on now. I do. I used to club in D.C. when D.C. Come was on black. Now. At Dream and uh, Republic Gardens. D.C. Come was still now. black back then. Now, I don't know how black it is now. It's a different it's story. A, it has, its mo- I mean, it it's has more pockets. So it's- and, and it's more so the outskirts. So like yeah. what happened, what what happened, why, why, and like why a lot of people, when I say I'm from DC, they're like, oh, so you're from pre, uh, PG County or something like that. No, 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 no. I was born and raised inside the diamond. Yeah. It's because a lot of things that have uh, occurred is that land got way more expensive. Gentrification is actually real economic, economic depreciation of land to have it actually now skyrocket overnight. Um, And also, and, and, and and also we have to, we have to understand that gentrification is a long-term game. It's not a short-term game. No. Um, It is a long-term game that is about, that is about reappropriating land and reappropriating Mm -hmm. acquisition of land and actually shifting culture to becoming a brand versus being a community. A community. And so like, how do we sell the brand of something versus how do we instill the community of something? And I think that, you know, there, there is, there is nothing. I think sometimes, and I know I just did it in this, in this one moment, I think we turned gentrification becoming a dirty word. And gentrification mm-hmm. is the movement and migration of people. Um, it's the economics of capitalism, of Western capitalism, that actually does become the dirty word um, because Western capitalism is about appropriation and that appropriation of land, of, of idea, of culture, of space um, is actually what sh- forces people to have to make a different, different reality and different choices. Especially when I love what you said at the beginning um, of this, I think even before we started recording, talking about the American dream, right? Mm-hmm. Especially when you're fed a certain American dream narrative that that puts you in a place where you're always feeling like you need to catch up to a race that yep. was never designed for you to win, right? No. When you when you start when you start to understand that like that like there are families who have generational wealth that surpasses um, the ability of your family even to be able to know what a dollar look like, right? Or to feel the ownership of what a dollar is. So like so like when we start to talk about um, this rat race of capitalism, this rat race of American and Western capitalism and black mm-hmm. folks in particular and black Americans in particular seeking to be a part of that game. We have to do it differently. There has to be indigenous practice that allows for us to own our wealth, own our opportunity, own our autonomy and still be able um, to 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 have the things that we want. Right. Like the how if we if you actually want that house, you should be able to have it, but not be but not have to sell an element of your culture in mm-hmm. order to be able to achieve or it. your soul or your soul yeah and like, or, your dreams. or your dreams or your dreams come on or now. your joy and so i think it's funny you said that uh my best friend works for an organization uh that handles a lot of money and a lot of money uh here in baltimore city and she was talking to someone else and i was just sitting there ear hustling not really ear hustling because i was a part of the conversation but like this is not my um monkey or my circus so i'm gonna just sit here until y'all start talking about something that i know about until then i'm gonna listen they were talking about the families the really wealthy families in baltimore and talking about somebody donating 10 million dollars to something i said excuse me 
What do you mean donating $10 million to something? Mm-hmm. You know, just like willy nilly. And um, I just think that people don't really understand, particularly people that look like you and I, don't really understand how heavy um, the burden or how heavy of a lift it it is that we will never we we th- th- this country is not was not created for us to be be even be able to dream that far you mm-hmm. know what i mean the american dream is sold to us as you know you go to college if you can you get out of school you go to college if you can go to college if you can't then you get a good job that has a union or you know that is a hard working either blue collar or government job you work that job you stay there till you retire and you live a happy retirement going on cruises for the rest of your life right or you go to college you get a degree and then you may make a little bit more money you join a um, one of the divine nine organizations or you become a mason you become a lynx you become an east star whatever it is and these are the things you know that this is what's packaged to us who i it i couldn't even fathom so my grandmother's going to donate 10 million dollars wow yeah. And so I think what you said is so important that um, certain things here, like we, it was created just so that we couldn't even dream that far. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, and, 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 and if we were to dream that far, we had to sell something. Yeah, usually your soul. And, 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 like, and like that, that is a powerful, that's a powerful realization someone has to have mm-hmm. if they actually want to achieve uh, that kind of generational wealth, that kind mm-hmm. of generational wealth to achieve is filled with blood money that mm-hmm. is scarred with many, many people's tears. Yes. And you don't acquire that much wealth without, without creating some kind of chaos. And that chaos actually being, um, and I'm using that in a, in a, in a kind of a hurtful way, that kind of chaos that actually um, uh, uh, harms humanity, harms yeah. life. Um, harms, harms cultures, com- communities. Culture. Like Absolutely. you have to, you, 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 to obtain that kind of generation, like, like you can have money and, and, but there's a difference between having money and being wealthy. Wealthy. Absolutely. And, and, and the wealth is something that like, I can lose maybe 40 million and I'm mm-hmm. still going to be good for another 12 generations. I'm going to be fine. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, if I lose $40, I'm mad. God damn it, I needed that $40 because that's a two weeks worth of gas. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I think I think that is and, and I think that 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 economics of technology that that language or that um ideology is what mm-hmm. black and brown folks always have to figure out how to live um not within the scope of but exceed past, right? How to live outside of the scope of like understanding. Um, really the current, how currency and money is just energy and how if like they're, they're, uh, how we have to rise our vibration to meet the life we want to actually have Absolutely. and how do we do that? And how mm-hmm. do we do that on a day-to-day basis when we are surrounded in by news, by X, Y, and Z with different kind of, um, different kind of things that inundate us, that grab, mm-hmm. that, that sometimes feel like they're chugging us down instead of lifting us up. And also constantly telling us that we are not worthy of having these things. Yeah. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other 
as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Prudential knows that no community is a monolith, and we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable and with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women. Take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. Um, but enough about capitalism in the wonderful country we call America. I want to know about you. Um, <laughs> tell me about what it was like when, tell me, tell me when you knew and when you told your family that I want to pursue a career in theater. What was that like for you as a um, young black boy in D.C.? 
Yeah. And then when you decided, no, I'm really going to pursue a career in theater and I'm going to New York to do so. How did they react? Your friends, your family, your family's friends. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, what's actually quite interesting, I think this is going to intersect with uh, like a couple of maybe it's going to it's an interesting story. I I actually found the arts. The arts didn't find me. Right. I mean, the arts found me. I did not actually find the arts. Let me rephrase that. And the simple fact that like I wasn't actually ever projected to see myself in the arts as a career. I was Mm -hmm. I was looking to be an engineer. And then if you talk to my mom, my mom thought I would be a priest. Right. So these wow. are like two, these are two, these are two totally different trajectories and like yeah. me now doing what I do now, what I get to do now. But there are elements of it when I start to talk about it, you're like, oh, there's some similarities. Well, I, I grew up, I, I grew up in a, I grew up in an education system um, where, where I grew up with dyslexia, ADD in another form, uh, like many different kind of like. Um, learning disabilities mm-hmm. and I was told and, I, and there was a lot there's a lot of there was a lot of like uh, uh, credits stacked against me to be able mm-hmm. to actually succeed yeah. in the in, in the American education system I had absolutely all the whole nine and I and and it's a lot of things to my family for really investing in my ability to like be to be educated i.e uh, uh, because my mom and my dad uh, put me, took me out of a uh, public school after I got mm-hmm. tested and put me into a private school so I could okay. have that kind of specialized attention. Also got me a tutor. And mm-hmm. what ultimately happened is that when I was going to go to high school, uh, many of my friends, because I was in a uh, private private uh, middle school, all went to public uh, private high schools. Mm-hmm. They, they applied, they got in. Some of them got in because of legacy. Some of them got in because of merits. They had X, Y, and Z. But they all, they got into all of these schools. And I, I have this number in my head that I applied like 13 schools uh-huh. And I got rejected from all 13 <laughs> okay. because I wasn't able to live up to the aptitude of what they were expecting me to actually be able to do. Okay. And so and so at the ninth hour, like when everyone when like almost everything was going to all, all all places were basically kind of set for the new, uh, next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, someone said he sings and he dances. I was singing and I was and I was doing some play musicals in my middle school. Mm-hmm. as a hobby, really as something like I was just doing to be able to be social and be able to be yeah. with, around other folks, um, they said I should apply for Duke Ellington School of the Arts. So then as a last-ditch effort, so I wouldn't be a number, a part, of, a, a part of a major, like if I went to Coolidge or Wilson, I would have been one of 500 in my freshman class. Yeah. So instead of, so because because that that was the destination my family did not want for me, I applied to, be a, to go to Duke Ellington, and I was the last to actually audition for the voice department. Okay. And so I applied for the voice department and Dr. Ayers set my life in this trajectory. She accepted awesome. me in as the last male to be accepted into the voice department. Mm-hmm. And then they were starting this musical theater, this musical theater, uh, musical theater track. And I applied for that too. And I made it into that. So the arts actually was, a, was a byproduct of not wanting to count myself out of the race of being mm-hmm. part of society, being a part of the future that I wanted, being part of the life that I ultimately want to have access to. And so, and so, and so like, I kind of just stuck with it. That's why it kind of mm-hmm. just happened. Like when college had, when college, when college came around, it was uh, <laughs> either go to Morehouse or go to NYU. Those are the, my two choices that I was actually kind of sitting with. I had, mm-hmm. I got in, I got in this presidential scholarship to go to Morehouse, but I had to keep like a 3.4 GPA. And then mm-hmm. I got into NYU for the musical theater department. And because I had done such a great job in high school, uh-huh. um, 
I really give it up again to my parents saying, saying that because you, because of what you've been able to do scholastically during this time. And also because you went to a, a public, a public high school. Um, Cause my sister had gone to a private, private high school. They, they kind of equated that the balance was you get to make a choice in this moment of which path do you want to go. And I ultimately, and I ultimately had the power to choose which, which road I wanted to take. Do I want to take this road where I go to Morehouse where um, uh, I didn't, I didn't know the theater program per se. And I probably would have been that engineer would have gone to architecture school would have been that other human, or do I go on this track and I would have to keep a 3.4 GPA. So like that was also straining on Pressure, me because I yeah. worked really hard to get to where I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Or do I go to a place where NYU, where there's not a GPA, there's not a stif- stipulation on the GPA that I actually have to keep up. I just have to stay in the, stay in the creative race which Mm -hmm. i enjoy and i get to be in new york where i felt at home right and so and so there that's really got kind of steered me into new york and steered me into nyu and steered me into the deeper into the arts and i will ultimately say that my infatuation with the arts is really about creating a cultural home Mm -hmm. and what does it mean to create a cultural home what does it mean to create a home that allows for um someone like me who uh who 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 that's all I was looking for, even when I was at NYU, couldn't find a space that looked like me, felt like me, was attracted to the same kind of creative taste or kind of aptitude that I was. Mm-hmm. And so I, so my whole journey has been about how do I carve out space to create that creative home? And I'll even say that in my junior year of high school, I told the chair of my theater department what I wanted to be. He said, what do you want to be when you grow up? I said, I want to, I want to work at a theater that owns their own space in Harlem doing black, like a black theater that owns their own space in Harlem. And I want to be the artistic director of that location. And Come he was on, like, manifestation. I, I, he was like, that's very specific. And I said, yes, but we don't, I don't have that right now. Yeah. If I was to look at the landscape, I don't have a space that like resonates with me. Right. Mm-hmm. That like, that like it, that's owned, that has all the aptitude that like would make, a young artist like me aspire higher. Um, that I, I had known of, I had like I have been able to witness many of my dance friends who are in the dance department mm-hmm. see how something like Alvin Ailey was a North Star for them in some form or fashion, right? right. It was a North Star they wanted to run away from or a North Star they were deeply attracted to. Mm-hmm. Um, but it had something that was of a national attention that had global um, appreciation that was able to rally this kind of, um, this kind of like pride inside of them so that when mm-hmm. Ailey came to, to DC at the Candy Center, they had this pride of wanting to see it or the Ailey, the Ailey dancers would come to Duke Ellington and, ta- and teach classes. Like all of these things really created this kind of unique space that was kind of profound, but I didn't necessarily feel that in the theatrical world. I didn't okay. necessarily feel like there was that kind of North Star for me to either work up against or work in concert with. Because I think both of those are important. It's important for someone to have something to work up against so they can create their own diamond or work towards so they can help to up, build up the actual institution that it is, that is currently existing. So that's where, that, that's where my love and my commitment to MBT really comes from. It really comes from that space of like, there it's a manifesting the thing that I called out into the universe. Mm-hmm. And then also it is helping to hopefully create that North star for the next generation to either work mm-hmm. up, uh, work, work, work in concert with, or say, Oh, I'm going to do something different, but at least have something to work. I have something that says this is, this is maybe the standard. And also um, for the next generation, like 
um, like you said, this is the standard, but it, it's just something for me to see. Because when you it's, don't I have it, it, yeah, I can see it. It's tangible. It's touch. I can touch it. It it exists. It doesn't only exist in my dreams. For you, or it only existed in your dreams. Yeah. But look how uh, your dreams have manifest. I want to say a few things about what you said. First and foremost, um, because of my roots in uh, Pentecostal church, uh, I just want to say, come on, Jesus, for, or come on, God, come on, whatever, for you you t- speaking about um, uh, any type of uh, limitations that you may have had or that you may have been diagnosed with or they may have said that you had limitations. And at the end of middle school, you didn't really have a lot of options, right? And so you uh, were like at a last ditch effort, let me just try my hand and it worked out for you. But at the end of high school, you had an option to go to two very prestigious universities, with scholarships. Shout out to you for that. And look at God turning around for you. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I love yeah. a good story. I love a good resilience <laughs> overcoming story because it's the, it, it's it's rooted in um, the history of who we are. Over, Of course, overcoming as a people, everything about our black ass existence in this country is all rooted in resilience. And so yeah. when I hear stories like that, like it makes the hair on my skin stand up because uh, I become very filled with pride. Like, I don't know you. I just met you today, but I become very filled with pride because I love to hear it. You know, you know how they yeah. say on the Internet. We love to see it. I love to see it. <laughs> um and another thing that you said, excuse me, I have undiagnosed ADHD. I know, but I, you know, just like I wake up and I can tell that I'm black, I don't need anybody to tell me that I have ADHD. Come on now, come I know now. very clearly of that. That's what I'm dealing with. You said something else about. I'm curious, what do your parents do, or what did your parents do for a living? When you so were- both my parents were uh, worked uh, with numbers, so okay. accountant, accountant, um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Worked uh, budget numbers and did taxes for folks and. Uh, I remember tax season. The house was a particular Busy. kind of firm. Yes, with yeah. folks with other people's receipts. Go to your room. Go yes. Go to yes. your room. We're working. Mr. Johnson <laughs> is come over, coming over. Mr. Yes. Johnson, Miss Smith, and Miss Brown are coming over. We're doing those taxes. Go we're in crunching, there. We're crunching them numbers. We're crunching yes. numbers. Actually, they're bringing yeah. their kids. So when they come in here, go outside and take them outside yeah. and play with them. Yeah, I'm yeah. Sure. But, and also, and, and 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 also, like I think I think the blessing of being able to witness that was. The understanding and appreciation of numbers, Absolutely. of money, of mm-hmm. economics, um, being able to understand, you know, my mother had a conversation with me very early about debt <laughs> and about what debt is and healthy debt and also credit card and, and helping to create a language around that. And that was that I think has served. Well, I know for sure has served me. Mm-hmm. Um so like so so there was there was there was always a spirit and then like my grandmother was a social worker. Okay. Um, my other my grand one of my grandfathers worked in um, was did service but also uh, helped with the board of elections mm-hmm. um, nationally and then my aunt also works in the board of elections currently right now um, uh, and then my grand my grandfather on my father's side was a dentist but also he did he dabbled in the arts he was in okay. he was in the heart of they come um, mm-hmm. the Jamaican the Jamaican film. Um, he was, he was actually in that. Um, that was going to be my next question. Is anybody in your family connected to the arts? I'm the only one, I'm the only one to be fully invested in the arts. Okay. Uh, But I'm not the only one who's done the arts, but I'm the only one 
fully, fully invested in the arts, like uh, from what I can tell. From what you know, right? Because who knows, generations and generations before, you could have had an uncle who Come sang on now. vaudeville. Come on he now. He was a vaudeville singer with a Come on now. or Come with on his now. hair slicked back, dancing Conk- and singing. Conkaline style. Okay, so tell me about the National Black Theater, because I, I had never heard of it before then. Before. Well, welcome, 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 welcome. Yes. welcome. You can baptize, baptize. Yes, I love that. So Just, National Black Theater was founded in 1968 by Dr. Barbara Antier. Um, okay. We are one of the continuous, one of the longest continually run Black theaters in the country. Um, we, our founder, bought a city block in uh, mm. in, in the 30s, 1930, I think 1938, the circuit kind of around there, um, and it really helped to position our permanence. Okay. Um, and that permanence really helped to make sure that we could do what we're doing right now. Um, having, having land, um, owning land, uh, really helped us to not be uh, succumb to the many different cultural erasures that have happened in Harlem. Mm-hmm. Um, and also what's happened in our society. I mean, just to point, point this out, uh, it might be an urban legend, but it's an urban legend that I love. In 1968, when National Black Theater was founded during the Black Arts Movement, there was reportedly 200 Black theaters um, mm. in New York City alone. Wow. Um, in, 2013, in 2013, when I did a study, there was only 86 Black theaters in the country. Wow. So, so that kind of that kind of erasure is something that MBT has been able to f- work up against and stay resilient inside of because of this Black woman who oh, bought a city block. Yeah. Um, Harlem in the 30s uh, was a force. Full of force. Um, in 2008, she pa- she transitioned. She passed away. Her daughter, Shadi Lithcott, came on as CEO of the National Black Theater. Um, and uh, ever since then, Shadé has been really eyes on the prize, looking at generating a sustainable cultural institution destination for the 21st century. Mm-hmm. Um, she brought me on three years after her appointment. Um, and um, with her... With her, her brother, Michael Lithcott, and myself, we have been really spearheading this uh, reimagining of that city block, uh, um, and we're building a brand new building. Um, okay. We have partnered with uh, folks at Ray. Um, Ray, uh, Ray is the place. Um, Elena, Ellen DX um, and MBT have all come together to build a new um, 21, 22-story uh, building uh, that will be a mixed-use building. They'll have a residential, a new cultural home for MBT that will be 25,000 square feet, and mm-hmm. then um, some re- some retail at the bottom with uh, also some um, kind of restaurant uh, kind of F&B. So we're building, we're reimagining what that cultural destination can be for the 21st century. We are activating um, some of Dr. Barbara Antier's initial premise of buying that property was to create a place for artists to live, serve, and work. Mm. Um, and we are creating a 21st century destination in that 25,000 square feet uh, that will help um, Black artists in the future have a destination to go to, as we talked about tangibly, that um, that is able to give them a state-of-the-art facility, as able to help them to imagine, that's also able to pour into them the kind of resources that they need to be able to be present in their body and to help be a reflection of the community and the life and the legacy that we as Black and Brown folks have always had. I love that. I love that. Oh, and, one, and one, oh, and one sure. other little tidbit about MBT, just really quickly, is that I didn't say this part, is that we made our Broadway debut um, this year. Um, Congratulations. 
Thank you. We had a Broadway debut um, this year uh, with Fat Ham, and okay. then we uh, we came up with our sophomore project, uh, which is Pearly Victorious, which is running right now until February third. Um, what's significant about making that Broadway debut is not just that MBT. I was also breaking that glass ceiling for us institutionally is that it's also culturally um, it, a black theater or a BIPOC theater in general had not produced on Broadway for 52 years. The last time uh, that it had ever happened was for color girls, the original for color girls with Woody King jr. Mm-hmm. Um, and new federal theater. So this was a watershed moment of reintroducing um, the people, the, the actually the institutions that house that cultural frame that, have been have we produced a lot of black work or BIPOC work on Broadway, but yet the producers of it are not of that community, and so that means the money is not necessarily going into that community; it's going mm-hmm. into someone else's pocket. Um, so, what does it mean for us to create uh, new pathways for BIPOC theaters to be able to see themselves in this commercial frame if they want to, knowing that it does create amplification, it does create econ- some economic resilience, it can create that. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it can help and it can help to create a, a vital new arm um, for the organization. That's so awesome. Um, tell me a little bit. I'm gonna veer off a little bit because you said oh, fat yeah. ham, and it's interesting. I have a cousin named Ham. His nickname is Ham, and he's fat. So tell me what fat ham is about. I absolutely have a cousin whose nickname is Ham. And so like, fat ham. So fat ham. Um, shout out to James Imes and also. To the director of the Broadway, um, the uh, the the original the production that we did at um, the Public Theater to Broadway, Sahim Ali. Um, so Fat Ham is a Pulitzer-winning play um, written by James James I. James, um, who is a Philly uh, a native uh, Philadelphian, um, Philly born and raised. Uh, the playground he spent most of his days. Um, he it's a it's a story that basically takes a spinoff of Hamlet and centers okay. it in. Um, it's a funny kind of spin on Hamlet that positions it in the South. Um, to look at a black family who does barbecue, um, oh. and looking at how uh, looking looking at the the the, the fun slash heart wrenching. It's a black queer story okay. dealing with barbecue, utilizing this narrative of Hamlet as a tool to actually re reposition and give and give autonomy um, to uh, to that narrative. Uh, okay. James James I James, who is the playwright, was told was, was told as a young actor that Shakespeare wasn't for him and Mm -hmm. wasn't for his people. And so therefore he wanted to shift that by writing narratives that were for him and for his people. And that really uplifted the culture that he loved so dearly. Um, So he reappropriated that, um, that, that, that text and that storyline and placed it inside of his community. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, 
Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Prudential knows that no community is a monolith. And we all have unique financial needs. With black community partners across the nation, Prudential has a remarkable history of supporting communities and institutions that have been overlooked for far too long and are making a tangible impact. This includes their home city of Newark, where they're actively engaged in building stronger financial foundations. They are dedicated to offering equitable financial services that cater to diverse individual requirements while recognizing our shared goal of wealth building. For instance, they've pledged a staggering $1 billion to programs, partners, and initiatives focused on historically excluded communities. It's not just about dreaming anymore. It's about turning those dreams into reality by creating blueprints for generational wealth. Power the dreams of our communities today and future generations tomorrow. Learn more and build your financial blueprint today at prudential.com slash blueprints. Are you ready to share some joy and celebrate International Women's Day? M&M's has partnered with iHeart for Women Take the Mic, treating you to the most uplifting and empowering stories of women supporting and celebrating each other. And of course, there is a smooth and creamy companion for your listening pleasure, peanut butter M&M's, because they're just another way to help treat yourself in situations where you deserve a little added delight, like listening to your favorite podcast. So grab a handful of that creamy deliciousness, kick back and spread some positivity into the world from smashing glass ceilings to breaking records in sports on stages and at the box office. Women are crushing it in every way imaginable. And with peanut butter M&Ms by your side, relax and keep listening to women take the mic podcasts as you dance your way through inspiring stories, share laughs and savor the deliciousness of peanut butter M&Ms and the unstoppable force of women. Happy International Women's Day. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. All right, friends and kin, it is time for Straight Facts. And today, uh, today's Straight Facts starts out, Mimi, I want to shout you out and thank you for the amazing work and energy you put out into the world. Well, first of all, thank you. That is very kind of you. I'm very grateful. And to you, good friend, I say, shout out to you. Okay, let me carry on. It says, I really don't know what to do. I work at a job that has great benefits, flexibility, and pay. Those are the things I love about my job, but there are some things that do not make it so great. My supervisor constantly takes credit for projects that I plan and practically complete. In meetings, she stands up proudly and takes credit for my work. And as a result, I just found out the company is going to promote her and give her more pay due to how amazing she has bunny ears supposedly been at completing projects. 
How do I let her know respectfully that she needs to do her fair share and that I feel a way about her taking credit for my work? Anonymous professional from Portland, Oregon. Well, 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 well. First of all, girl, bye. She out of control. Okay, she's out of control. Um, I think that you start out by having a conversation with her about it. Um, hmm. Because it seems like you haven't had an initial conversation about her about it with her. I think that you should have an initial conversation about it with her. Pull her up and say, I just wanted to talk to you about, um, you know, some of the ideas that I've shared with you. And it seems like uh, you don't give me credit for the work that I do. And you just need to let her know that, you know, we all come to work, we work hard, we give our best and we do our best and we all want to feel valued and appreciated and respected. And I don't feel valued, appreciated or respected because you stand up in meetings and take full credit for the work that I do. Um, it uh, And tell her how it makes you feel. Okay, we're going to start off with feelings, right? Um, And that is just to see and to gauge what kind of human she is. So if you tell her how you feel and she continues to do it, then we got to talk about fact. So let's say you go to her and don't be bitter. Don't be defensive. Just say, hey, uh, Marjorie. Um, I noticed that in the past couple meetings, a lot of the ideas that I've shared with you, blah, 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 you stand up and take the credit, blah, 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 and it just kind of makes me feel unvalued and unappreciated and overlooked, blah, blah, blah. I don't feel like you respect, um, you know, what I bring to the table because you take it and you state that it's your own. If she dismisses you or negates your feelings... That's fine. We'll see what happens. And if she does it again after that initial conversation, then we head to the good old email. Okay? Then you write an email to Margie and make sure you use these words. Per our initial conversation on, make sure you have the date, Wednesday, February 14th, 2024, uh, when I shared with you that I felt like you didn't respect me and value my input uh, and what I brought to the table as an employee at, insert the name of the company, uh, we talked about uh, blah, 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 and you stated and then state what she says. Then state when... She did it again. The date, the time, at the meeting. You can state who's at the meeting if you like, but you don't have to do that. Just state the date and time of the meeting. And mention to her that how you feel after she did it again. If she does it again after that, you're going to reply to that email because she's going to email you. You're going to reply to that email, and then you're going to CC, not blind copy. You're going to CC her boss. Um, Now, also, you have to take into account, like, 
how it goes. You know, if her her and her boss are ace boon coons or ace coon boons and whatever it is, I don't know what it says. And um I would just think about going to higher ups and or if you don't want to do that, just stop sharing your ideas with her. Find somebody else to share your ideas with. Or when you share ideas, share your ideas via email and copy other people like her boss or other people on your team. I think that might be a good way to go after you instead of going to like HR because, you know, that's not really a violation. But what you do is you just when it's time to share an idea, you share via email (laughs) or you share in front of someone else. In those meetings, that's where you share them. Stop giving this lady your information. I've had people take my uh, creative intellectual property and uh, utilize it for their own and make money off of it, too. And it's not a good feeling. And it actually feels like shit. It makes you feel really bad. And it makes you want to um, hurt somebody. Oh, no. Um, So just be careful about how you share your creative property. And your intellectual property, because it is your creative intellectual property. Be mindful how you share it. And I hope it works out for you, anonymous professional from Portland, Oregon. Uh, Be well. And um, if you do feel unvalued and unrespected, and I don't even think unrespected is a word. If you don't feel valued and you don't feel respected, um, you just need to move a little different. I hope you don't feel that way. But if you do, you definitely just need to move a little different. All right, it's time for We Got to Do Better. And today's We Got to Do Better quote comes from, I don't know if it's Tommy or Tommy. I'm going to go with Tommy. Tommy Adeyemi. And it's from the book Children of Blood and Bone. And the quote says, Courage does not always roar. Get into that for a second, okay? Let's get into it. Let me say it one more time for you. Courage does not always roar. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. That's a word. And it's a word because sometimes people with the biggest mouths, the people who have the loudest things to say, Uh, They ain't really talking about shit. They ain't really about shit. They ain't really own shit. Um, Sometimes they just talk to hear themselves talk. But courage does not always roar. And listening to this quote makes me think about a few people that I work with who um, do a lot of uh, roaring. Um but don't have the courage that God gave David or the courage that God gave a stingray, okay? Um, Sit with that. Courage does not always roar. I love that. I absolutely love that quote. Mm. The first thing that I want to do is say thank you to God because God is supreme 
and I recognize and appreciate the grace that God extends to me every single day of my black ass life. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. I want to say thank you to my folk. I want to say thank you to each and every one of you that have been rocking with me since day one. Since March the 1st of 2020, I want to say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I truly appreciate you for being here with me and going on this journey with me. And even if you just start, started listening today, episode 82, if you're 82 in and today is the first time you listened, I say thank you for that as well. Either way, I'm grateful. I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for my friends. I'm thankful for my friends and kin, all of my supporters, and of course, most importantly, every single one of you guys out there listening. I love you so much, and it is nothing short of an honor, privilege, and a blessing to share my time and my energy with you, especially if you choose, because it's a choice, if you choose to keep coming back to spend time with me. And I look forward to the next time that we get to do this one with one another. Now, before you exit out of whatever streaming service you're using to listen to this, stop what you're doing. And if you haven't already done so, please look for the subscribe or follow button. Click that if that's an option where you're listening. And next, I want you to go over to Instagram and follow me at hammymypurse underscore podcast. Also, follow me on threads and you can find that on my Instagram profile. And follow me on Facebook. Just search Hand Me My Purse Podcast and you will find me there. Um, I recently started a LinkedIn. Don't know what I'm doing. Don't know why I started it, but I did. Uh, and you can find me on there. Um, I think under Mimi Walker. Just look for the girl in the neon yellow sweatshirt that says unapologetic. If you listen on a streaming service or a medium that allows you to do so, please take two to three minutes to go and rate and review the show or give it a thumbs up if you can. Let me tell you, I'm going to read one of the reviews now, or one of the messages that I got uh, on Spotify. And this is from B Justice. And B Justice said, I found this podcast through my sister. This is my favorite episode, laughing my ass off. I think you have a great voice for this, and I'm happy to support your progress. Keep up the good work. You know what, B-Justice? Thank you so much. And here's a shout out to you, B-Justice. A straight up shout out for you. Friends and kin, be sure to share Hand Me My Purse with your friends, your loved ones, and your enemies because the best way for people to find out about this show is by you guys telling them all about it. So tell a friend to tell a friend to what? Tell a friend. Please submit your questions for the Straight Facts segment by clicking on the link in the show notes that says submit a question for Straight Facts or click the link in my Instagram profile. And look for the button that directs you to submit a question. And who knows, your question may be featured on an upcoming show. Also, remember that show notes are always available in the episode description wherever you are listening to the show. Be sure to take a look at the show notes because that is where I put all of the links and other information that I mentioned during the show that you may want to check out in addition to some stuff that I just want to always share with you guys. Also, just so you know, the music for Hand Me My Perks is provided by none other than West Baltimore's own Gloomy Tunes. Last but not least, I want to give a big old shout out to my producers. Together, we make up Rando Banjo. Banjo. 
and the dirty throats. And I look forward to you looking forward to listening to me, Mimi Walker, here at Hand Me My Purse, the podcast, each and every single Tuesday. And I'm out this bitch. Peace. Hand Me My Purse is a production of iHeart Podcasts. For more shows from iHeart Podcasts, visit the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Today's episode is brought to you by the American Society of Magical Negroes, a fresh satirical comedy about a secret society of magical black people starring Justice Smith, David Allen Greer, Ann Lee Bogan, and Nicole Byer. As an official selection of Sundance 2024, the American Society of Magical Negroes has been heralded by critics as an uproariously sharp-edged satire and a must-see. Only in theaters this Friday. Visit the American Society of Magical Negroes film.com to get tickets now. Hi, I'm Gabby Reese. Join me and my husband, big wave surfer Laird Hamilton, on our journey with Laird Superfood. From our kitchen to yours, we've crafted delicious plant-based creamers, coffee, greens, and so much more using high-quality functional ingredients. Visit LairdSuperfood.com and use the code GABBY2024 for 20% off your first order. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m., book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.